Praise God for the presence of the King. And it's, no matter what's done in this world, it's all in the presence of the King. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you that your presence is here in this room with us. And Lord, I pray that your, your spirit would just take these words, direct these words, express words that come straight from you, Lord. And that they would be a blessing to all those here. And that our lives would be affected the way you intend them to be. In your name, amen. Praise God. And I, I, thank, I thank God for his word. I thank God that he is our God. I thank God that we have a relationship with him. And I was thinking as I was meditating on this, this subject... It's an incredible subject because it has to do with finishing our race. And, you know, as I was sitting here this morning, I thought, there is no greater race. Somebody tell me a greater race than a Christian on his way to heaven. There's another race. And that's the race I was in because when we're born... No matter what, when you have a beginning and an end, there's a race. From the beginning to the end, an end is death. We have birth and then death. And when we're born, we're racing in the wrong direction. We're headed for the wrong place. Sin has gripped us. I was burdened by sin. I was headed for hell. My race was headed in the wrong direction. And then Christ, because of his love and mercy for me, rescued me. And put me on a different course. I'm in a race still, but now my destination has changed. And the destination is now heaven bound. The greatest race ever is a Christian en route to heaven. Praise God for that. And this message is a message that I'd like to just hit you with one verse that just to start the message. And it was a, it's a blessing because it's Paul talking in Timothy, and you don't have to read it because we're going to go to a few verses and we're going to be in the Old Testament, but this one verse just puts it all in a nutshell. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course and I have kept the faith. Why? He recognized it as the greatest race in the world. He recognized it, and the Lord gripped me. He said, Ron, do you recognize now that I saved you and I redirected you that now you're on a different race now, a different path, a different course? He said, Paul recognized it. Paul saw that he was a man that has been blessed. He's been turned around. He's put on track. His destiny is right. So he said clearly, I have fought the good fight. I fought well because I had my mind set on God. And I was pleased that my God rescued me and took me from the course that was headed for destruction and redirected me toward the course that was going to take me to heaven. And he says, I fought the good fight. He says, I didn't just fight it. I finished it. I went all the way with Jesus. And then he said, I kept the faith. I stayed faithful. Great, isn't it? The greatest race is a Christian's journey towards heaven. 
So when we're reading these passages, I want you to think about that this morning. And we're going to talk about a man who was in a race because we're all in the race. I just picked one man, and this man was Solomon. So let's go to 1 Kings 2. And we're going to start off. with a story from David because what happened was this man is in a race and guess what? He's, he's in a race. Solomon's in a race just like all of us are in a race. And his race began at birth just like all of us. So we're all in a race. Solomon was in a race and his race was the same race that we were on headed towards destruction. And, but he was kind of raised in, in, in a palace though. He kind of had a good beginning. He was raised under King David. Praise God for living in a palace. I don't think anybody here has lived in a palace, but praise God for living in a palace. So as he's going out on his journey, he's, his life has been redirected at this point, And he's been redirected to kingship. He's now headed to be the king, a great king. And guess what happened? David is now talking to him about his kingship and giving him some instructions. And David says to him in verse 1 of chapter 2, And as David's time to die drew near, he charged Solomon his son, saying, I am going the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and show yourself a man. Because Solomon was a young man at that point. He was very young. And you young men, I want you to understand something. When you gave your life to the Christ, you were redirected, and your course has changed, and your course is now heaven-bound. So pay attention to these words and listen to the story of this man who was a young man when he was redirected. And it says, and keep the charge of the Lord. He says, okay, I want to give you some instructions as you get ready to go out on your course. I want to tell you something that's very important for you to understand. He says, and keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his ordinances, his testimonies according to what is written in the law of Moses, that you may succeed in all that you do wherever you turn. He says, I got a method for you and I have a message for you and I have directions for you because you're getting ready to head on the journey and you're going to be king and guess what there's only one way of being successful and that's to cling to the Lord trust the Lord abide in the Lord obey the Lord and he will make your footsteps safe he said he will direct your path and take you straight to heaven and guess what you'll be successful if you obey him so right out of the block his new course is directed and guess what he's doing He's been given instructions. Praise God for that. Praise God for instructions as we we become Christians. As we get redirected on the right track, praise God for the word of God. Praise God for church. Praise God for Monday meetings, Sunday meetings, Wednesday meetings, Thursday meetings. Praise God for brothers and sisters who, who commit their lives to Christ and studying the word of God. Because guess what? That word is now helping us as we start our journey and be directed in the right location, in the right place. It helps us to make a decision to do the right thing and to go to the right place and do it righteously and understand that God is in charge. And without him, there's no way we can complete this journey properly. He says, stay faithful to the Lord. Stay faithful to him. Now, as we go on, because we're just going to go on and you go to Second Chronicles and it just talks about Solomon, Second Chronicles chapter 1. Now, David has died. Solomon is now king. Solomon has been given the directives. He's been told what to do. There's one God. There's one Lord. You want to run this race? You want to stay on course? Stay with the Lord. Stay faithful to him. Be obedient. Trust in him. Cling to him. 
So now Solomon, it says, the son of, of David established himself securely over the kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him and exalted him greatly. So initially what happened? The Lord exalted him greatly because Solomon had it together. Solomon was coming out of the block strong. And then what did Solomon do? Solomon was very, very wise. He did something incredible. What did Solomon do? He, in verse 7, he, uh, the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, Ask what I shall give you. So now Solomon, the Lord has come to him and said, You know, Solomon, you're walking strong. What do you want? And God asked us, doesn't he ask us? What do you, what do you want? Jimmy, what do you want? The Lord says, what do you want from me? Well, what did Solomon say? Solomon said, you know, give me wisdom so I can lead your people. And the Lord was pleased with that. And verse 10 says that Solomon said, give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before the people for who can rule this great people of thine. And God said to Solomon, because you have, you had this in mind and did not ask for riches and wealth and, or honor, or the life of those who hate you, nor have you asked for a long life, but you ask for yourself wisdom and knowledge that you may rule my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge have been granted you. He says, I will give you wisdom and knowledge because you asked for it. And God always gives us more than we ask for. He said, wait a minute. Since you are obedient and you're trustworthy, I have something else I'm going to give you. And I will give you riches and wealth and honor such that none of the kings who were before you has possessed, nor those who will come after you. He says, not just that, but I got something great to give you. I'm going to give you riches that you never even dreamed of and no one's ever had because you were obedient. That's the way his race started. And I think he did really well. That's, that's pretty, pretty incredible to think about. And you read further, and you don't have to go there. I'm just going to quote a couple verses because it really tells how Solomon is doing. In verse 2, or chapter 2, verse 1 in Second Chronicles, says, Now Solomon purposed to build a house for the name of Jehovah, a house for his kingdom. So Solomon went around and says, you know, I'm going to build a house for the Lord. Faithful, sounds good. And then verse 5, he says, And the house which, which I build is great, for great is our Lord, our God, above all gods. Solomon loves the Lord. That's clear. He says, there's no greater God. He's running the course really well. He's got his eyes fixed. He's focused. Are we focused this morning? He was focused. I like that. He's, you know, he asked the Lord for wisdom. Praise God. Then he says, well, let me build it. You know, I want to build something for this Lord. I want, I want to build a temple for you. So he's about that. He's about the Lord's business. And praise God for that. Are we about the Lord's business today? Have we recognized that we're on a course? The greatest, greatest, greatest race in history, in the universe, is the race towards the kingdom of heaven. And we're, each one of us is on that race, and we have a course that's set specifically for us. Specifically. And take to heart, when Paul said those words, I fought the good fight, God wants us all to fight a good fight on the way. Not at the end, but on the way. I want to fight the good fight daily. I want to fight the good fight. And then I want to be planned. I want to plan to finish the course. How are we doing in the course? Well, Solomon's really doing well. He started off really great. And then it says in verse 1 of chapter 5 of Second Chronicles, Thus all the work Solomon wrought for the house of Joseph was finished. He finished Jehovah. He finished the work for Jehovah. And Solomon brought in all the things David his father and dedicated, had dedicated, even the silver and gold and all the vessels, and put them in the treasuries of the house 
of God. Doing good. Solomon is rolling right along. He's rolling along. He's turning to turn, but he's doing well. And then he says, um, he prays to God. And he's, he had a beautiful prayer. A beautiful prayer. He even anticipated sin in the camp. He recognized that, you know, we're going to sin. And it says that he said, O Jehovah, God of Israel, there is no God like thee. Wow, there's no God like thee in heaven or earth who keep his covenant and loving kindness with his servants that walk before thee with all their heart. He recognized that you had to walk with him with all your heart. though. And then he goes on and says, if they return to thee, if they sin, if Israel sins, he says, if they sin and they return to thee with all their heart and with all their soul and all with all their soul in the land of their captivity, whether they are carried, whether they have been carried captive or they pray toward the land which thou gavest unto their fathers and to the city which thou hast chosen and toward the house which I have built for thy name. Then here, he says, if they do this, if they run away and they get captured, he says, hear from heaven, even from thy dwelling place, their prayer and their supplications and maintain their cause and forgive thy people who have sinned against thee. He said, if we go astray, please, can you forgive us? Can you bring us back? Can you really forgive us? And what does the Lord say to him? The Lord says, I have a promise for you, Solomon. He said, the Lord appeared to Solomon. This is in chapter 7, verse 12. The Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. He said, I heard it. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among the people, if my people are called, who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray, and we know that in the memory class, right? Humble themselves and pray, and what? And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. He said, if you do that, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. God promises what? To forgive them. So, great. So at the end of 20 years, verse 1 of chapter 8, in which Solomon had built the house of the Lord in his house, it has been 20 years now, and Solomon is rolling right along. Then he dazzled the queen of Sheba in chapter 9 to the point where she said to him, this report that I heard in my own land of your words and your wisdoms, I heard all this, but I did not believe the reports until I came and my eyes, my own eyes have seen it. And behold, half the greatness of your wisdom was not told me. You surpassed the report I heard. Happy are your wives. Happy are your servants who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who has delighted in you and set you on the throne as, as king for the Lord your God. Because your God loved Israel and would establish them forever, he has made you king over them that you may ex execute justice and righteousness. She was very impressed by him. And then it says something about Solomon that's incredible. It says, Thus King Solomon excelled all the kings of, of the earth in riches and in wisdom. All of them. And all the kings of earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put into his mind. God had put wisdom into his mind that surpassed everyone. Why? I will honor those that honor me. Solomon was on course. He had his sight set. He had his focus right. He understood. You obey me, I will bless you. And he was obeying. 
says that it's it's kind of interesting because as you as you go along you see the blessings but you don't hear very much from Solomon at this point the blessings are there but it's kind of like there's a foul smell in the palace something's not right there's a stench that's something's not right things are they they, they look good on the surface but they're starting to kind of smell funny things aren't right Solomon's he's been going well but something's happening on his course and this is it's tough to really pay attention to that sometimes when we look at our course can we really look at our course today and pay attention to our course today and understand our course how important it is today And, I, and I, can, I can stop and not even read any more of this and just deal with one issue, the importance of our course. Because each one of us has a course. I don't have your course. And you don't have my course. We don't have Sylvia's course or Adel's course. They have their course. They, they have their course. And that course is mapped out by, by God. And the accountability is to God. And it's an important course. This is the greatest race. There is no greater race. There are people racing around today to get all kind of places and do all kind of things and racing to be president of this organization. Racing to be popular in a school. These races aren't important. They're rat races. They don't have the right focus. Do you know this is the greatest race in history, we will not be able to run this race in heaven. There's one opportunity. Solomon had one opportunity. And he was running well. But you know what? That just blows me away. It kills me. You go to chapter 11 of 1 Kings and you read about it. And you see something that's just disheartening. He, he's, he's running really, really well. He's running really well. But something happened. And the Lord had warned him about it. But he didn't heed the Lord's warning. It says, now, this is... And we, we should look at our, ourselves, truly. Look at our lives, truly. We're on course. We're headed for heaven. God has called us to something. Something great. This is not an average race. This is a great race. And says, now the King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the sons of Israel, you shall not associate with them. He said he was married to them. And the Lord says, don't associate with them. Well, he didn't just associate with them. He married them. And it looks like he tried to marry all of them. It looks like he tried to marry all of them. It goes on to say, you shall not associate with them, neither shall, you asso- shall they associate with you, for they will surely turn your heart away after other gods, after their gods. Solomon held fast to these in love. He said, well, you warned me, but I love them. He didn't just love one. 
It says, and he had 700 loves. 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wife turned his wives turned his heart away. Can you imagine what that really means? Great man. Incredible man. Given the greatest gifts ever. People coming to him, worshiping him, bowing, bow, bowing down to him. And he's been given that. And you know what? He's bowing down to 700 women and another 300 comedians. He had 1,000 wives. What was he thinking? What could he do? Look at one. I mean, I would start to say, well, is that, you know, Maria? It's like, well, she looks like Maria. <laughs> but, you know, but she doesn't. She walks a little differently. A thousand? You tell him he remembered all thousand? He knew them? He knew their walk? He knew their dress, maybe? I don't, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. He didn't have a clue at this point. He was looking somewhere and got distracted, and he's gone. Gone. And we can get gone. We can be drawn away. God says, don't go there. Don't hang out. We say, well, we, don't, we shouldn't separate. You've got to be kidding. He told them, don't, don't hang out with them. Separate yourself from them. And Solomon said, what do you mean? They're beautiful. And he went to the well and drank and drank and drank and drank. And he's full. A thousand full. But it, what did they do? God says, I got, I'm telling you something. If you hang out with them, you go toward they'll draw your, your heart away. And it says they drew his heart away to the point that you didn't hear anything about Solomon at all anymore. He doesn't say, well, Lord, please forgive me. He just prayed that. He prayed it years before because he was on a course and his course was right. And he understood that our God is in control and I know we're going to sin. He knew they were going to sin. But he says, God, will you forgive us if we sin, if we come to you and repent? And Lord said, yes, definitely. I will. I will. I'll do that. Definitely. And the Lord accused him at this point. Solomon, you've blown it. You don't hear any words of Solomon anymore. Zero. Zero. No repenting. No confessing. No turning back. Where are we? We can do that. People do that. People leave the church, leave churches, and go on their own way and just leave. They take a route and say, well, you know, I was heading for heaven, but I just stopped here and I started to kind of hang out with the people of the world and they drew me away. But, you know, that's just the way it is. And there are people who are headed to hell because of this. Because they wouldn't ever get back on course because they weren't really regenerated. Some have been regenerated and get off course. And they don't get back on course. Solomon never got back on course. And it says the Lord was angry with him. In verse 9 it says, Now the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he did not observe what the Lord had commanded. He said, I hear you, I see you, but I don't buy it. I'm not going there. 
the greatest race. We're in it. I'm in the greatest race in the universe right now, heading towards heaven. And each step of the way, each decision I make on the way is a decision that takes me closer to Christ or away from Christ. And if the Bible says don't, sep- don't hang out with them, separate yourself from them, and we don't do it, well, guess what? You're getting ready to get wounded, and you're getting ready to get tripped up, and you're going to lose the race. It's going to happen. And just three points I just want to talk about. Just three points just to leave us with. How can we stay on course? I thought of three things that I think are, there's a bunch of them, but there's three things to talk about. Separate from sin. Keep clean. (laughs) What's the greatest thing? We're running. And I love the sin that so easily encumbers us or, or affects us. We have burdens, and the sin is a burden, and we're running our race really well, and sin we have the sin on us. And what does it do? What does it do? It entangles us and doesn't let us run the race. And Hebrews 21.1, I'll quote it. It says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Not the race. I'm going to tell you something. It's not the race. It is the greatest race. He said, lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that's so easily entangled. Lay it aside. We have sin. We have to lay it aside. We can't run the greatest race if we have the sin. And one of my favorite verses is 2 Timothy 21. I love the verse. It says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. If any one cleanses himself from these things, he will be what? A vessel of honor. Do we want to be vessels of honor? Well, guess what? Only the honorable ones stay on track, on course. It takes honor. When he says, I fought the good fight, a good fight, that man, he stayed on course. I, I, I'm fighting really well. I'm fighting the, the, the antagonisms of the evil one who comes into the stadium as we're running and tries to pull us out. And attract us by showing us pretty pictures of things that have no value. Come back to the old race. Look, it's hellbound, but it looks good. Go back to the world and hang out with the world. Look at these things that are sin and watch them and be contaminated by them. And guess what? We get crippled. We can't run the race. He says, if, if you want to be a vessel of honor, Sanctified, useful to the master. I love that. Useful to the master. When we're on the race or in the race and we're running the race and we have our course set and we're fighting really well and good and we're looking to finish the race, believe me, we're useful to the master. I want to be useful to the master. I know you guys do too. I know you do. I want to be useful to the master. Useful to the master in the greatest race in history. We can be all useful to the master. He says, but one thing, you've got to cleanse yourself of, of the latter, of the thing. You have to cleanse yourself. That sin, you have to get rid of it. Second thing, one day at a time. I love that. One day at a time. Yesterday, I can't fight for yesterday. I can't fight yesterday's battle. If I lost, repent, get on my face, beg the Lord to forgive me, and get back in the race. 
And tomorrow, I can't run for tomorrow. What does the Lord say? The Lord says, therefore, he says, and he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. He says daily. You can't do it weekly. You can't do it monthly. You can't do it yearly. Daily. It's a daily take up the cross. Remove the sin that entangles me and, and keep my eyes set on the, on the race. Every day. It's like I got to, you've got to get down like a pit bull. It's like no way. I'm fighting a good fight. And the good fight is any encumbrance, any weight, any sin that entangles me. I, I, I can't have it. I'm running a race, the greatest race in history. There is no way. I've got to be in the greatest condition. I have to have the greatest mind. I have to have the greatest faith. No way. Then the third thing. Is fixing our eyes on Jesus. What did he do? It says that fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him. Do you know that when he saw Sung, he didn't see Sung, he saw joy. When he saw Adel, he saw Brian. What did he see? He saw, it says the joy. He saw joy. He says, Wow, Brad, I love him. I love Brad. That was a joy set before. I endure the cross because I love this brother. And it's, he's worth it. He said, for the joy set before him, he endured the pain, the suffering, because he saw Turhan and he says, I will die for my son because it's a joy to see him headed for heaven. He's heaven bound. Now, I rescued him from going down the wrong road, the wrong track. He was going ahead into the wrong place. And I rescued him. So talking about dying, he says, I will die for that. And that's joyful to me to put my arms upon the cross. I am joyfully paying the price to rescue my children from hell. He says, if we have that kind of thinking, and we say the joy set before us, if we have the joy that is our Savior set before us, and we fix our eyes on him, when I go around that corner, and I'm running, and all of a sudden, I get a little ding. I fall apart. I trip. I fall flat on my face. I have a difficulty that I can't manage. I have a situation that I don't understand. I have curveballs coming at me in all different places. You know, why is this happening? Where did this bill come from? Where did this come from? Why is this person saying this to me? Why is my boss so difficult right now? He says, um, you, you fixed? You got your eyes fixed right? Don't look at them. Look at me. Do what I did. I had my eyes fixed on you. And it made me understand that the value of the cross was clear. I paid the price because I had the perspective right. I saw you. He says, now it's your turn to see me. See me. Keep your eyes on me. When you're running around that corner and it gets difficult because it gets difficult. It's tough sometimes. It is tough, isn't it? Isn't it tough? It's tough. Hello? Isn't it tough? Yeah. It's tough for me, so maybe I'm the only one it's tough for, but it's tough. You know, I wake up in the morning, and it's like, wow, this is tough. He said, well, you, you fixed on me, Coop? He calls me Coop. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he says, Coop, you, you got it the right perspective? You're fixing your eyes on me, the author and perfecter of, of your faith? Perfecter of your faith? Have you fixed it on me, Coop? Yes, sir, Lord. Yes, sir, Lord. I'm going to read you something. This is good. This is about a runner. So it's the greatest last place finish ever. Greatest. 
Last place. <laughs> Can you imagine? Greatest last place finish ever. It says, out of the cold darkness he came. John Stephen Akari from Tanzania entered at the far end of the stadium, plain hobbling his, hobbling his every step, his leg bloodied and damaged. I want to go into the kingdom of heaven bloodied and damaged. And he said that. He says he was bloodied and damaged. The winner of the marathon had been decided over an hour earlier. They had won. Everybody's still hugging, kissing, flags, and he's got his buddies all around him. Everything's great. Only a few spectators remained. There weren't very many people watching, so he wasn't doing it because I got, you know, there's a big crowd waving, so let me finish this race so I can feel good about myself. No. But the lone runner pressed on. Amen to Christians who press on. Praise God. As he crossed the finish line, a small crowd roared out in appreciation. A small crowd, probably had three hands. Great job. Great job. Afterward, a reporter asked the runner why he had not retired from the race since he had no chance of winning. He seemed confused. Do you seem confused? I want to be confused. And somebody asked, why would you run the race like that? Like, what do you mean? What do you mean? He was like, what do you mean? Finally, he answered, my country did not send me to Mexico City to start the race. And send me to start the race. He said, they sent me to finish it. Oh, man. That's a man. Isn't it? That's a man. And what did Paul say? I love it. He said, I beat my body and make it my slave. I love that. And you can't fight the good fight. You can't complete the course. You can't finish the race. And finish the faith and keep the faith. I got it all mixed up, but you know the verse. But we can't. We can't keep the faith. And we will not finish our course and fight really well unless, unless we beat our body and make it our slave. And I love that story. And we do need to end because I want to get you out of here on time. And Sylvia, she doesn't really um, understand how much I love this, this song, but... It's the song that we, we sing, press on. And I just want to just read a couple verses. It says, when the valley is deep, and the valley is deep sometimes, isn't it? When the mountain is steep. Sometimes we're going down. Sometimes we have a tough hill to climb. When the body is weary. Sometimes our body is weary. It's weary, just weary. The battle is just hard. And sometimes we stumble and fall. When the choices are hard. They're hard sometimes, aren't they? And when we're battered and scared. When we spent our resources and we've given our all. <laughs> we press on. And it goes on to say, forgetting all that is behind us and straining toward all that lies before, we press on toward the mark of the high calling that is ours in Christ. Our Lord. There is no greater calling. There is no greater race. There is nothing greater than a Christian that looks down and recognizes that these feet now, they're not the same feet anymore. These feet are pointed towards heaven. Heaven. I'm no longer headed towards hell. What did Christ do? 
Christ went to the cross and finished his race. He had a race too. Didn't he? He came down and he said, this is my race. I got a course. I got to go on. I got to go to a cross and die for people who don't love me. I got to go and bleed and die and be abused. And he did that. He finished the race, though. He finished his race. His race took him to Calvary and put him up on a, some sticks. Because he said, for the joy set before me, I will endure that. And he finished it. He said, it's finished. Can we finish? When I said one day at a time, do you know the race could end for somebody in this room today? Doesn't mean that we have 50 more years if we're, you know, 20s, 30s. Doesn't, we don't have a, a clue how much time we have. So if every day we don't fight the, the good fight, every day, fight the good fight, every day, it's like I, I recognize that this is a great fight. And I want to finish my course. And I want to keep the faith. We have to recognize that every day. And see the importance that this is the greatest race ever. There is no greater race than this to be headed towards heaven and hated for the Savior and to be sitting at his feet when he looks at you and he says to Dean, you know, Dean, well done, my good and faithful servant, because you kept the faith. I want him to say that to me. And I know you want him to say that to you. He says, well, fight well then. Stay on course. Complete the course. And please stay faithful. Faithful. We owe it to him to be faithful. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. I thank you, Lord, you just put me in the race. You put me in the right race. You took me out of the wrong race and put me in the right race. It's not a rat race anymore, Lord. It's, the, it's God's race. Please help me, help all of us, Lord, to be faithful in that race. Faithful to the calling, the great calling, the great race that's headed towards heaven. And help us all to be responsible to the King of kings and Lord of lords. And there could be somebody here today, Lord, that hasn't entered that race. That is still headed towards the, the wrong place, Lord. Headed to hell. Because they haven't made a decision to, uh, to, to give you preeminence in their life. To confess that they're a sinner. To believe that you died for their sins. And to turn their life over to you, Lord. That today they can do that. And they could change and join a new race, a new course. And that course would be heaven-bound, Lord. Please rescue them this morning, Lord, if they're going down the wrong course, the wrong race, Lord. Please help them to come to someone and say, I want to get saved. And take an initiative and say, this is my life, and I want my life to be used for the king. And all of us, Lord, we want to just beg and plead with you that you would change our lives, that you would redirect our lives that you'd keep us faithful. Just keep us faithful, Lord. Keep us focused. Keep us willing to fight the good fight and fight hard for you, Lord. And we love you. We just thank you that you, you gave us a new life, Lord. And we can't wait to see you in paradise, and we love you in your name. Amen.